Three, two, one. Welcome to Dave the Dog Trainer Podcast, episode one hundred and twenty-seven. Um, all right, so today is going to be a little bit of a mishmash episode. We um, we just filmed a couple days ago. Very good episode, I, I think. Actually, uh, I think you guys should go listen to it. It's all mm-hmm. on dogs that want to try to kill each other. Yeah, dude. The comments were popping off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going pretty well so yeah. far. So I like it. Just came out a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, keep watching that one. So today we don't have a whole lot of new stuff to talk about. So what I did over the last ten minutes here is I just <laughs> wrote down a bunch of random topics here. I like it that we can kind of roll through right. and wrap on in no particular order. Mm. Um, but I want to start off with something. For all you dog trainers out there, all you new dog trainers, for if you wanna you wanna take your do you wanna take your business to the next level? Oh, here we go. Do you wanna take your business to the next level? Let me tell you <clears throat> the number one thing that you can do that okay. will immediately, I'm not even joking here, immediately take you from being just some dog trainer in your city to being on the list of one of the top dog trainers in your city. And I'll use an example of what sparked this conversation, right? So um, I'm currently waiting on a phone call. Okay. All right? I got a company that I hired to do some work for me, Mm -hmm. right? Said work was supposed to start last week. Oh. It's a big project. Okay. And... It didn't start last week. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I didn't get a phone call that it wasn't going to start last week. It just didn't start last week. Oh. And over the course of the last four days, I've called them and left them a voicemail every single day for the last four days. Ouch. This morning, I sent them an email. If I don't hear back from them by the time that we finish this podcast, I'm going to drive to their offices and say, hey, guys, what's going on? Yeah. Now, most people would say, well, David, why don't you just hire a different company to do it instead? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in this particular industry, there are very few companies to pick from. Yeah. And they probably know that, which is why their response time is not very good. So I say this to all of you dog trainers. Okay. One thing that we are complimented on all the time is quick response time to incoming leads and to current customers of ours. Mm. There is something, I hear this all the time in the dog world, right? Or actually, yeah, in the the dog world, from our clients that come to us. I called all these different trainers, or I was working with this training company, and the communication was just non-existent. And I'm not saying communication from the standpoint of like calling to give updates on board and trains and things like that. I'm talking just the ability to get a hold of an individual mm-hmm. was near impossible. And I know all you dog trainers out there that are doing this by yourself, that are having your own company um, and don't have a bunch of employees or somebody who's sitting there at the phone, stuff like that, right, mm-hmm. might say, well, I'm busy. I'm training dogs. I'm doing this. 24 hours. If you can't get back to somebody in 24 hours, Mm-hmm. on an incoming lead or a client that's reaching out to you for whatever, mm-hmm. then you need to really seriously scale back the amount of work that you're doing 
or you need to hire assistants to make sure it can happen because that is the number one sign of a professional business is the ability to get back to people quickly. And I promise you, if you could solve that problem and figure out a way to scale your company, whether it's you have somebody that's on the phones, whether you get some sort of automated answering system, Mm -hmm. whether you designate two hours every single morning before you start all your training to get back to all of your texts, your calls, your emails, all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. you will make so much more money because most of the time when people are calling to try to hire you over somebody, it's an impulsive decision. Mm-hmm. I know myself looking at things from like my standpoint, if I go buy something or I sign up for a service or I'm going to drop a fairly large sum of money, let's just say a couple thousand dollars, you know, given the fact that that's what dog training services generally will cost, mm-hmm. a lot of times I have to convince myself it's a good idea. Yeah. And when I make that call, I'm ready to pull the trigger right there. <clears throat> but if you make me wait on it for four days and then call me back, I might back out. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Joss, how's how's uh how's your response to leads time? Great. Is it great? Oh yeah. That's I have, you know, separate emails and I don't my personal email, I don't even have notifications for it. It's only my my person or my business email. Mm-hmm. And it's like boop and then I'm just Yeah, I'm I'm right on it. And it's really funny that you said this because uh I just opened my like like books again to get a like another like retainer client. Yep. And so I hit a couple of people up that I knew that followed me recently. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, open my books again. Like if you want to get into this. And these people like left, like they, they left me on scene, you know, mm. they, they read it. And then <laughs> this morning they must have, they accidentally sent me a meme. <laughs> about like ping, penguins chasing butterflies. What? Yeah, and and after they realized that they accidentally sent that to me, they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, please. Yeah, here's our email. Like mm-hmm. send us your your rates and blah blah blah." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Would you have responded to me if you hadn't fucked up?" You yeah, know? <laughs> you know, and listen, like I will say there's a difference between the person trying to be sold, I know, yeah. right, versus the person that's trying to do the selling, oh, right? Yeah. Like if you're running a business and you're trying to get money from people for services, mm-hmm. you better get back to them real quick, right? Oh, yeah. And like I said, it really is, like I hear it all the time in dog training is, is people always say like, oh, yeah, I'm really slow about getting back to leads or like the amount of times I've called people in the past trying to hire them for something and I don't get a call back for like a week, like, get yeah. the fuck out. Like, I I just can't wrap my brain around that, right? And, like, yeah. those are the types of... And it's it's a motivation issue. You can't tell me that you have so little time in your day that you can't... Like, how many leads a day are you getting, right? How many calls a day are you getting? In a lot of cases, like, we'll on a busy day get seven or eight, mm-hmm. you know? I can chunk out an hour or an hour and a half to reply back to seven or eight people. Yeah. Or if not, here's how I've hacked it, right? Let's say... It's the weekend, and I'm off for like a day and a half. Like, obviously, we generally have people at the shop that can make calls for me in those cases. But let's say it's a day that, like, they're really busy, right? I don't want to take their time away to have to, like, make phone calls or something. Mm-hmm. and uh, Or they're just off, right? It's a Sunday. We're kind of slowing down for the week, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, like, a copy-paste text <clears throat> in my phone that I could send out to those people just acknowledging the fact that I received their inquiry, letting them know, hey, it's going to take me a little longer than the 24 hours to get back to you, but I received it, and I will be calling you on X day. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, that's great. That buys you the extra time as opposed to just the radio silence. Like, mm-hmm. let's say this company that I'm looking, and it's a, it's a fucking boat repair company, guys. First off, if you're in the Cleveland area and you want to make a shit ton of money and you know anything at all about boat repairs, I'm go. telling you, you can make a fortune out here because there's fucking nobody that does this shit. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Huh. It's actually absurd. I'm surprised. It's honestly. absurd, right? But all I needed was just a phone call. Hey, we got really behind with a couple of these projects. I know we told you that we were going to start this work last week, but we're we're pushing we're pushing out two weeks at this point. Yeah, that's all I need. And you've been like, okay, that's all I need. Yeah, but instead, it's just radio silence. Like, mm-hmm. come on, guys, let's yeah. get it together. Well, right. And I I think a, a good way to look at like you're saying, carving out an hour of mm-hmm. your day, whatever, you know, it, it maybe it seems inconvenient, but when you think, okay, let's say you said seven or eight leads, right? Yeah. Let's say you get four or five of those to sign up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how how profitable was that hour now that you cut, carved out of your busy day? Big time. Yeah. Yesterday we sold four boarding trains, <laughs> guys. Four boarding trains yesterday. That's forty two fifty a piece. Yeah. Right. Yesterday, just and I think it took me an hour and a half. Maybe I sat down for yeah. an hour and a half, cleared through all my texts, cleared through all my emails, made calls, stuff like that. We closed four boarding trains yesterday. That's sixteen thousand. That's that's almost seventeen thousand dollars worth of sales in less than two hours worth of time. Seventeen k right? an hour. We, we don't ever like <laughs> talk. We don't talk a lot about like numbers and stuff like this because I'm not trying to like gloat, but it's like. You know, people always say, like, you know, a lot of new trainers will ask me, like, David, where do you draw inspiration from? Like, how do you, um, how do you, how have you built your business, right? And, like, mm-hmm. do you, what dog trainers do you follow in this and that? And it's not. I learn things through my day to day experiences as a consumer, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Whether it's a consumer of a service, like I'm talking this boat repair, right? Situation that I have, everybody's like, dude, quit bitching about a fucking boat repair, whatever. But this is something that I could learn from of what not to do. Mm-hmm. I could immediately implement it into my business and I can make sure that I could have happier customers because I'm solving problems that affect me when I'm out in the marketplace as a consumer. Yeah. Right. And that's the way that you need to look at things. Mm-hmm. When you have an excellent service somewhere, like if you had a knock it out of the park, like we we talk like like my wife and I like going to Disney World. Right. And yeah, sure. Like I just like going to Disney World, obviously. But when I go there, every time I come back home to Cleveland, Mm -hmm. I come back so inspired because of the great experiences I have watching how a highly successful business operates Mm -hmm. and watching how I'm treated from a service standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint, from a facility standpoint, where I could take things that I really liked about that and be like, damn, like, just the attention to detail as far as cleanliness or the friendliness of the staff or the the responsiveness of the customer service at these places or anything like that. Mm-hmm. While I really like that, how can I take that and apply that to my company right now to have a better experience for my customers, right? Yeah. That's how you grow your business, mm-hmm. not by trying to follow what Joe Schmo on fucking YouTube is doing about how he scaled his company. Look at your real life experiences mm-hmm. and what you like as a consumer and make sure that your quality that you're putting out there meets the same expectations. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> you know, because uh, so I think I've told I've told you, but I haven't said it on here, but I'm working on like a clothing brand right now. Mm hmm. 
if you guys like athletic apparel, just keep your eye out. But, uh, you know, I, the more I research it, it's like the more these big brands are just doing this really cheap, low quality stuff. And that's, that's not what I really want to do. There, there are certain ones that I aspired to, but there's a lot of those that, you know, blow, blow up their Instagrams and you see their ads all the time and, and the product is not great, you know, and, and I want to not do the same thing. And I know everyone, like all these YouTube videos I've been watching, they go, Oh, do it like this guy, do it like this guy. But it's like, I don't want to, I want, I want to do something that's more lasting, you know, cause it's like companies like that. They're not going to be around in 10 years because everyone's going to know, Oh, well there's shit quality. And you know, they made a quick cash grab and then they're out of the game. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really pertain to this, but it, no, it no, no, it directly pertains to this because your experience as a consumer with them was okay. Well, you obviously bought their shit, mm-hmm. right? Because something about the way they were marketing their product really appealed to you, yeah. right? It resonated with you. But once you received the actual service, mm-hmm. the product itself was not as on par with the expectation that you had of them going into it. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. Which which is the same exact thing we're talking about, yeah. right? Is we're looking at the whole package, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the marketing, the service itself, the product, whatever it may be. And you moving forward with your company that you're trying to start with this right now are going to look at that and be like, well, I learned something from this, but this is where it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And this is why I won't become a repeated customer of this company, right? Yeah. So how do I fix exactly. that? And how do I get the initial... Wow, I really like this. I want to purchase this and then have it follow through, right? And mm-hmm. have those people become repeated customers and want to actually come back to us after the uh the entire process has been fulfilled yeah. at that point. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, I mean, with dog training, same exact thing. Mm-hmm. You know? If you uh you gotta you gotta back up what you put out there. Yeah. You gotta be tentative and Yeah. I don't know. But the number one takeaway from this is 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 mm-hmm. if you're a dog trainer, your responsiveness to leads is so yeah. important. It's yep. so important. Your responsiveness in general, because you don't want it to also be like, I'm just quick to respond to leads, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of like the, the marketing of the service is really good. Yeah. But the fulfillment, like let's say you close them and they're a customer, and then because they're locked in, you got their money, they're doing the service, then you're slow to respond back to them then at that point. That's the same deal about then you you got them in, you did one part of it really good, mm-hmm. right? But then you're not going to have them as a retained long-term client because yeah. once they were in the door, then they were kind of chump change, right? Yeah, exactly. You got to make sure it follows through on all ends. So, yeah. you know, I literally every single day, the first thing that I do when I actively start my day, so I'll be doing this uh, once we finish this podcast, because this is the first thing I do in the morning on Thursdays, is I go through and I clear all of my notifications. If you have notifications on your phone that exceed like 10 fucking notifications, yeah. right? And and it's not because you're getting like 100 notifications a day, you're fucking up, right? So mm-hmm. right now I got six emails, two social media notifications, and six text messages, Right? And because I stay up to date and every single day, this is the first thing that I do, it never exceeds far past that. Yeah. Right? 
So, you know, same deal. A lot of people go a week without fucking replying to all their shit, and then they'll have 200 fucking emails, and then they're like, God, I have to have an entire day to clear through this, and that's when they tell themselves that live. Like, I don't have time for it. That's mm-hmm. why I'm slow to respond back to people. And it's because you're letting it accumulate, and you're not just, like, getting it as it comes in. Yeah. And it's just as important piece of your business as anything else, you know? It's the most important piece yeah. of it. Yeah. You can't, can't, can't have pro- people buying your services if you're not responding. That's right. All right. Well, that was our impromptu first topic. That I like it. wasn't even on the list, but check it off. Yeah. Oh. Ch- check off that nothing. All right. Let's see what else we got on here. Let's get into some dog training stuff. <clears throat> All right. Okay. So I feel like I got to like pen drop it. Boom. Right. Okay. Here's what we're going to talk about. So I did a lesson the other day with... Um, this dog, Basil, right? So Basil is a Samoyed, a young Samoyed, Basil. owned by a super cool company. You and Devin would probably love this. So they own this company in Lakewood. I can't remember the name of it, and I almost don't even want to try to butcher it. So I'm just going to say what kind of company the company is. Mm-hmm. It's a like, it's a like... There's a name for it, and I'm gonna screw it up. Also, okay. I'm just gonna say like an anime, a collect, an anime collectors. Is it Doki Doki? Yes. Okay. You know them. Yeah, we went to Doki Doki. Before. Okay. All right. So, yeah. so Doki Doki. They own Doki Doki. They own Doki Doki. All right. Right. Cool, what what cool. is? Is there a name for it? <coughs> the stuff they do. Yeah, it's like a like a anime Japanese culture shop. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Super fun. Really cool. Right, yeah. I did a lesson at their house the other day, mm-hmm. and I've never been to the store before. Yeah, but the inside of their house was just so cool. Like, yeah. just what I would imagine is what the store is like. Yeah, right. Whatever. So they own this <clears throat> Samoyed, right? And they had a lot of shit going on the last couple of weeks. This dog did a board and train with us maybe a month ago, something like that. He's only been home for maybe four weeks. Okay, four and a half weeks, something like that. Right. And uh, <clears throat> first week back home, they absolutely crushed it dog was doing so good and you didn't have any like major issues or anything like that right yeah but um they a couple weeks after that so like two weeks ago their cat got like really sick and just absorbed a hundred percent of their time Mm. right so so like like all of their attention was on this cat yeah right so we did our first follow-up session the other day first one back after um you know not seeing them for a few weeks and I was just like, yeah, what's going on? You know, what are we working on? They're like, honestly, like, we just haven't done anything the last few weeks. They're like, our attention has been on the cat. Like, you know, we could tell, you know, he's kind of regressing, you know. And, and again, nothing major, but he's starting to get into things again mm-hmm. and like counter surf and just like be mm-hmm. slow in responding to commands and all those types of things. Right. And, you know, obviously the session was to kind of get him back on track, right? But here's the thing, right? This gets to a really interesting topic here because there are times when life is going to get in the way. That's my topic here I have. I said, when life gets in the way. Perfect. Right? There's times when life is going to get in the way. There's times when your other pet gets ill and you need to put all of your attention onto them, right? There's times when one of you might get really sick. Mm Mm-hmm. There's times when you might have a family emergency that comes up that takes you a month to get situated, right? There might be times that their business is just exploding with opportunity and they're working 15 hours a day over there Mm -hmm. and unfortunately the dogs kind of take a back seat, right? Shit happens. Life gets in the way. So so what I try to do with people 
is I try to give them really, really like tactical advice for how to handle scenarios when life gets in the way. Because you can't, even though life is going to get in the way, we can't use it as an excuse for all those times life gets in the way, whether it happens five times a year or less or more, whatever it is, that all our training gets derailed and our dog becomes an enormous pain in the ass again, Mm -hmm. right? And this is a two-part issue, right? Part number one is it's a mindset issue, I think. Part number two, it's a why is the dog behaving and listening type of issue, mm-hmm. right? Let me let me kind of let me kind of elaborate on that, right? All right? So obviously, I go through waves where I'm either home a lot with the dogs, and I've got a decent amount of free time, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of my work is work from home type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever. It could be anything, right? We're going on a trip, uh, 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 whatever, right? Um, and I go through times where my weeks are so busy that I'm at the shop all day mm-hmm. and I get home and the absolute last thing that I want to do with my dogs is do anything with them once I get home, right? Yeah. That happens, right? Now, if my dog's behavior or good behavior was contingent on me doing constant training with them, meaning you fall into the trap with them like 99% of people do and 99% of trainers accidentally coach you to do, which is we micromanage every one of our dog's behavioral issues so they don't happen. So we don't let our dog... Uh, uh, rehearse counter surfing or getting things into the kit or getting into things into the kitchen because we do bed stays all the time with them in the house, right? Our dogs aren't jumping on people because we're constantly keeping them in the crate when people come over. Um, whatever, you know, any any number of, of types of things that we're doing where it's like we're working constant commands and training drills to put them in a position where they're not in a position to rehearse the unwanted behavior. If we're doing that, when life gets in the way and we don't have the mental capacity to be able to do all of those different drills and routines and stuff with our dog, it will fall apart and you will get seriously derailed. And then every single time that happens, you're going to need to spend like a week getting yourself back into the groove, getting the dog's behavior again, and you're going to have this constant back and forth with things, which is just not productive for anybody, obviously. Yeah. Right? This is why we live the type of life with our dogs where we don't ask them to do things all the time and we just stop the unwanted behaviors. Right? So had they... Instead of working all the commands and stuff, which is what they had been doing with the dog, had they just been keeping the e-collar on the dog, keeping the e-collar set up pretty high, just keeping it on their person, and Mm. only just giving a correction if the dog did something they didn't want to do, which is about as like bare minimum amount of work as we can make it for Mm. somebody, right? What would have happened is the dog would have just learned... Even if we're not asking commands, even if we go an entire week never doing a bed stay or never doing a down stay or anything mm-hmm. like that, the dog will learn they're still not allowed to do A, B, C, or D thing. Mm-hmm. And because we're correcting for it consistently, those problem behaviors will go away altogether mm-hmm. where you could then go a week without doing anything with your dog. And your dog might not be doing commands or anything, but they're not doing anything wrong Yeah, where we're not having any sort of setbacks where they're learning bad habits again. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. that's kind of the mindset I try to get people to get into with this kind of stuff. And that's what I, I always live that way with my, my dogs. Right. Where I literally will go weeks without asking them to do any sort of commands because they just don't do unwanted behavioral issues at this point. Yeah. 
and I don't need to stress myself with if I have a long day at work, I don't need to work on anything with them. I can come home and feel confident that even if I don't do anything with you today, you're not going to start jumping on my counters or getting into my trash can or barking out the window at things or any of that type of stuff because we've stopped all that stuff long ago or they just know it's not an option that's on the table. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> it is a it is, is a misconceived notion to a lot of people of what dog training is, that it has to be, oh, it's these obedience commands and you know, telling my dog this, this, and this, where really you're, I mean, you're still training your dog. You're just, you're telling them what not to do. Yep. And if that's what you need, if that's all you need, that's good enough. That's good dog training. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to cover, you know, blanket everything with all these obedience commands when, like you said, maybe you just need them to stop, you know, counter surfing or getting into food, you know? That's it. But I, I do think, you know, a lot of people see that as, oh, well, we weren't doing the, the downs days and we weren't doing the bed stays and we're, mm -hmm. we, we feel terrible. It's like, it's okay. Like, is, did you get this stuff under control? That's all mm -hmm. you need. I don't know. If that makes sense. It makes sense. It's a big one. And it's, I, I find myself constantly trying to find new ways to like explain it to people because I feel like still people have such a hard time really grasping that concept. You know, of just yeah. just tell the dog what not to do, mm -hmm. right? You're actually confusing them more by trying to indirectly solve problems with all these commands and with all these mm. training and stuff like that. And yeah. that gets back to, we talked about in one of the episodes, I don't remember which one it was, but this idea that trainers preach that like, if you want to stop these dog, these your dog's problem behaviors, you need to have structure, right? Mm -hmm. Structure, right? And it's like, what the fuck is structure? You know, like a lot of people, a lot of trainers preach it, and a lot of owners misconceive it as structure is just working commands all the time. Like yeah. by working commands all the time, my dog will just magically stop jumping on people, stop getting into things, stop barking out the window, et cetera, et cetera. Which is not incorrect. The dog probably will stop doing those things because you're providing a little bit more mental stimulation for them, mm -hmm. and because by working all of those commands and providing all of this structure, the dog physically can't do it because they can't like freak out at the window and hold a bed stay at the same time. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's never getting to the root of the problem of the dog actually understanding what we want out of them. Yeah. Right. Which I mean, will only come from telling them, don't do that thing. Stop doing that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it really feels like how positive trainers, you know, mm -hmm. when, Oh, redirect them with the treats or the the food, you know, or the toy. And it's, it's a very similar concept. Yeah, very similar concept where it's like, does the dog really know that it's not supposed to do that? Or is it just like, oh, I, I have to do this command right now. But it yeah. never understands that, oh, I shouldn't counter surf. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, topic number two. Yeah. Good Check topics. Off. Look at that. Look at right that. off the top of the head topics coming through. Okay, so let's move on to our next one here. So I'll just read the, the titles I put down, then we'll kind of explain what I mean by that. Mm. All right, so this next one I titled Practicing Off-Leash for Better On-Leash. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let me, let me check this guy off here. All right, so I did a lesson the other day with Lily the Lab. Oh. Lily's former board and train. She was here two months ago, two and okay. a half months ago, something like that. Yeah. Great dog. Mm -hmm. Whatever. She's kind of like a psycho yellow lab owned by a really, really nice lady, 
right? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Isn't that how so, it always goes? So whatever. So so we've been doing some follow-up sessions with them, yeah. right? Things are going really great. We did a, a follow-up session a couple of days ago and um, kind of went to the park, went to Edgewater, and she was like, well, what do you want to work on today? She's like, well, I don't know. She's doing pretty good. I just want to kind of see what I can do to keep moving in the right direction, which is a great mindset to have. Right mm-hmm. when you think certain, when you think things are going good, still make sure that's when you really get the second set of eyes on you mm-hmm. to see where you could fine tune things. Because here's the trap people fall into sometimes: is when their dog's behavior goes from totally unmanageable to pretty good, mm-hmm. or or I should just say better. Right, yeah. you become okay with better. Which I'm listen. I'm I'm glad things are better. But the problem is better in a lot of cases is still pretty sloppy Mm -hmm. to most people's standards. True. Right? Yeah. So to most people's standards, better is still sloppy, but it's so much better than it was before that we're okay with it. But because it's sloppy and unclear to the dog still because the parameters aren't like perfect, it generally will deteriorate pretty quickly over the course of the next couple of months. Yeah. Because those parameters aren't as good as they could be. Right? So whatever. So, So let's just say we started walking. And the walking was so much better, but it wasn't, like, perfect. Yeah. Right? So okay. we're walking around. And the biggest thing that I noticed was she was still using her leash a little too much. Right? Mm. And I find a lot of people are guilty of this. They're walking the dog. And it's just, like, just like a teeny bit of leash pressure here, teeny mm. bit of leash pressure there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that pressure was constantly, like, stopping the dog right before the dog made the mistake. And causing the dog to kind of fix itself, but it never really learned where the boundary was because we weren't allowing the dog to fully make the mistake so we can correct for it and get past it, right? Yeah. So here's what we did. We actually took the dog off of the leash and we worked the walking totally off leash. Right. And this is something I do with a lot of clients. If you're scared that the dog is going to like take off or you Mm -hmm. don't fully trust the dog's off leash reliability, you could do the same concept with a long line, like dragging on the ground or something like that for a little extra safety. Mm -hmm. In this dog's case, we weren't worried about that. She's pretty reliable off leash. We just wanted to tighten this positioning up. And what happened is because the leash was not there, the dog made the mistakes. Yeah. where the dog would make the mistakes, and we had no crutch we could fall back on to stop the dog from making the mistake, aside from let them commit to making the mistake, give the correction for it. Yeah. What we found is over the course of like three minutes and three or four mistakes the dog made that the dog would not have made before, the walk went from better to literally perfect. What are you doing over there? What are you doing over there? So so the walk went from like better to perfect. And when I say perfect, I got the receipts. I'll show you. I'll show you. He's got the receipts. Look at this. Look at this. See this? Oh, yeah. That is a perfect off-leash heel right there at the park. Tons of distractions. Oh, yeah. A little parasailer. Literally perfect. Wow. Love it. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So what we did is we walked around for a little bit off leash, right? Then we came to a stop. I was like, what would you think of that? She was like, that was great. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Felt awesome. I think she even trusted the dog much more than she thought she was going to trust the dog, right? Mm-hmm. So then I was like, all right, now why is the dog so much better right now? And it clicked, right? She was able to understand 
okay? It was the leash. It was the way I was handling the leash. Mm. I didn't quite get where I needed to get with it, right? Yeah. Um, I was, you know, still given a little too much help with it and stuff like that. I was like, all right, so now we're going to put the leash back on, but you have to walk her with the same mentality, right? Mm. So you have to give her the ability to make the mistakes. You can't rely back on that leash. So we put the mm. leash back on, boom, perfect walk. Nice. Right? So I say this because the f- there's a reason why we train everything to an off-leash standard, right? We train mm. everything to an off-leash standard because until we're in a place where the dog is so clear with what the expectations of them are that we don't need any crutches to fall back on to help the dog through these types of things, mm-hmm. right? And, and we could argue, well, the e-collar is a crutch. The e-collar is not a crutch because if we're training properly to an off-leash standard, we shouldn't really be using it, right? So like True. when we were walking, we used it initially to train the boundaries with things, but then we went for the walk and we didn't need to give a single correction with it, yeah. right? If you were using the e-collar every four seconds on the walk to get the dog to stay in position, but the dog was never learning where they needed to be without the need of any sort of like physical help or prompt or correction or anything like that, okay. then we could argue that that's a, that's a crutch. But uh, in, in this type of context, it's not because we're not actively using it, right? The dog's mm-hmm. understanding how to do it without the need of any of that help, right? Yeah. Um, but until we have the dog to a place where they can respond perfectly without the need of any sort of consequences, without the need of any sort of physical prompts or anything like that, then the dog doesn't really clearly understand things the way that they need to, and we need to train things further to that point. It's not that these dogs have to be off-leash all the time. It's not that because we have the dog off-leash right there, I'm like, well, you have to take your dog for off-leash walks all the time. Mm. We just trained off-leash so she could really see where the last couple holes were in her training so that when she put the leash back on, Mm. she could feel confident that she actually got things where she needed to get yeah that makes sense yeah i mean i think it's in anything you kind of got to push what you think the is the boundary sometimes you know and that leash is what she thought oh well this is good this this is what i got to use all the time yeah it's it's the next hurdle right it's like uh like some people will say like you know when you're working on personal development or whatever it may be that some people will like plateau off at mm-hmm. a certain point with things. And the only way to get past that plateau, you know, and, and sometimes you hit this point, and it could be with anything, right? Actually, I'll use a more clear example. They say, like when I used to play guitar a lot, mm-hmm. right? They would say when you're practicing, sometimes if you're trying to make too incremental of improvements with things, so like really, let's say you're trying to work on a faster lick, Right. Mm -hmm. And you're going like one beat per minute faster each time. One faster, one faster, one faster. Sometimes you'll plateau off at a certain point where it's like you get to a speed where it's like really hard to do and you could almost do it, Mm -hmm. but you could never quite like perfect it at that speed. Yeah. Right. They say sometimes you need to challenge yourself in a bigger jump to kickstart the next level, right? So if you're going up one beat per minute faster each time, maybe you go up five or 10 beats per minute faster to force yourself into Mm -hmm. that next gear so that when you bring it back down, it feels easier for you to do and you could finally get past that hurdle. So I look at Mm -hmm. dog training or I look at like improvements to dog training very similarly sometimes to both the owner as well to the dog, right? So to her... She hadn't quite perfected on-leash healing, so why would she jump to off-leash healing, 
mm. right? But to me, jumping to the off-leash healing will force her into a different, more attentive state of mind that will get her past that jump. So when we get back to the on-leash healing, the on-leash healing is even better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Right? 100%. And I think that was something I learned like back when I used to play music and play guitar was that like idea of plateauing off and giving yourself a, a bigger jump yeah. to get past the next hurdle. And this yep. gets back to our initial topic of this entire podcast, which is draw inspiration from everywhere and apply it into your company to make you succeed faster and better. There it is. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, so that's our next topic. Let's see what we got here. Okay, so let's move to this next one. Letting your dog be a dog. Okay. This could mean so many different things, right? It could mean so many different things. And a lot of people, I, I'll give you kind of the examples that I mean by it, right? A lot of people, when they see some of the videos we post, right, they look at it and they're like, that dog is a robot. I yep. don't want my dog to be a robot. Right? <laughs> like it's, he's just, you know, he's, he's not even able to be a dog. He has to be <laughs> under direct control all the time. This, that, blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I did a lesson the other day. Uh, another follow-up session with a dog that probably went home around the same time as Lily the Lab. Right? Okay. Same deal. It's like our last follow-up session. They came in. What do you want to work on? There's like they're like she's been so good. There's there's not really any issues we're having or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And anytime somebody comes in like that and we're doing like that last kind of scheduled follow up session, and they come in and they're like things are great, we kind of just like we kind of just have fun with it. We wing it. It's like there's nothing we really need to work on. So let's just have the dog have like an easy session today, right? Okay. So so up until this point, all of our emphasis had been on keeping this dog under direct control around distractions. It's like a young Corso, right? Um, she had a lot of impulse control issues and stuff like that initially. We worked past all of that. She's like an angel in public, listens so well, pays attention to her owners around distractions, all that kind of stuff. It was great, right? Um, so so what we did is we walked around the corner to the park, right? And we got to the park. I was like, you know what we're going to do today? I was like, we're just going to let her be a fucking dog, right? Mm -hmm. We put sometimes, right? We, we struggle with finding what is the end goal we're trying to achieve with our training. Our end goal we're trying to achieve with our training is making sure we have total control around our dog in any number of contexts so that we could give them the freedom to do whatever it is they want to do and have fun and be a dog while feeling confident that if I need to get you to reel this in, if the environment starts being unsafe or too busy or too distracting or whatever it may be, that I have the ability to do so quickly and reliably, which is why we spent all that time on the control initially so mm -hmm. we can give the freedom later. So what we did is we walked around the corner of the park, we, we healed her there, and then we got there and we spent like 40 minutes at this park not asking one command out of her. We just went in the field by where the, the, the baseball diamond was and kind of played with her and ran around and hung out and threw a stick and like all that kind of stuff. She just kind of like loosened up and just had a great time and then we walked back, and then the session was over, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think people need to, to keep that north star of the ability to do that in mind as they're working through the training process, because that really is like the final step of you've got to be able to do that to make all of the training kind of pay off and worth it in the end. 
right? Like my favorite thing to do with my dogs and my best way I could exercise them and stimulate them without doing all this structure and training and downstays and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff is we'll go walk to the park and I'll just let them off leash and just just let them just do literally whatever the fuck they want to do. They go and they sniff and they hang out and this and that. And I think there's like a... The, the, somebody told me about, uh, I think Alex Mazurka told me about, she was reading some book that somebody wrote that was like uh, like longevity tips for dogs or something like that. <laughs> Did I tell you about that? I don't know. I might no, you, you didn't. So, so, and one of the big things, and this is really popular right now, you'll see all sorts of force-free trainers talk about this, right? Mm. Is the, the idea of the, the sniffari. Sniffari. Right? <laughs> okay, so, so the sniffari, or some people call them sniffing wah. Oh, or this yeah. or that. They yeah. talk about it as like the best way to decompress your dog <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they're not wrong, right? Like basically what I'm doing at the park when I take my dogs there is I'm letting them go on a fucking sniffari. <laughs> sniffari. Right? I'm letting them go for telling. a sniffari. I'm letting them explore and scavenge and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and just, just be dogs. Yeah. Right? But everybody is looking at it as the solution to their dog's problem behaviors and people are doing it before they ever have any degree of control over their dogs in these environments which Mm -hmm. is just shooting themselves in the foot because they do their fucking sniffari and then when a distraction comes out they have no ability to get the dog back under control yeah right so we're doing the same shit like all of us are doing the same shit right like when Mm -hmm. i talk about like look for things that trainers can agree on because if you could find like a balanced trainer and a force-free trainer that both agree that you know taking your dog out and letting him go explore and be a dog is very productive we should hone in on that right that's an important thing to do that we need to train our clients to do we're just doing it backwards Mm -hmm. right we're focusing on the control and stuff initially so we could have the luxury of being able to do that and being able to do that safely as opposed to doing that like fingers crossed i hope everything goes okay yeah right so yeah, that's my other topic is that's something else we've been focusing yeah. on a lot with dogs. And it's funny, we had our trainers meeting yesterday where all of us get together, just kind of talk about how the last couple of weeks have been, talk about any difficult clients we may have had or cool things we've been doing. And ironically, I brought that up in it because I just had this session recently. I, I just like was kind of talking about that topic. And Michelle... And I think maybe Bridget and stuff were both like, oh, my God, like we've been doing that with some clients lately, too. And, uh, you know, it just was like a really cool point to get to of like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get people to look a little bit more at like how we live our lives with our dogs. That's something mm-hmm. I've always preached, right? It's like I train yeah. people to live a life similar to I live with my life or live with my dogs because that's the only thing I know right is, yeah. is this this type of lifestyle and it works for me and it's stress-free and i want people to have a similar life with their dogs right mm. but sometimes as trainers we look at it differently than that we look at yeah. well you know i need to look at their you know i need to create some sort of different way of doing things because they're not me and this and that and yeah like there's adjustments that need to be made sometimes but um sometimes we can get a little too trainery with it with our clients as mm-hmm. opposed to looking at, like, with our dogs, it's so much more nuanced. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's so much more low-key and, and, like, relaxed and, and, yeah. and not problematic or anything like that. And just, just easier. Yeah. So I try to try to coach clients through that. Oh, I definitely think it's it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with that kind of misconception that people have of what dog training is anyway. You know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you look at your household... And like how you said, I basically don't have to like give any commands to my dogs because they know the boundaries. They know yep. they know what's expected of them. And now 
they basically have free reign of their own lives, mm-hmm. you know, because they know the boundaries. So once you, yeah, once you communicate that with your dog and you, you keep it clear and set on those boundaries, I mean, <laughs> it's a freer life than they'll ever have, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. But you've got to hit the point where you get yeah. that. Freedom, yeah, no, for sure. Right? You have to because if there. you're just doing like so many trainers get to the point where again they and I hear this with like actual trainers, right? Yeah. Where they they apply all this structure into their dog's life, mm-hmm. thinking that's what the dog really needs. Which I'm not saying structure is bad for dogs. And when I say structure, I always try to clarify, like kind of using commands a lot and keeping them constantly engaged and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Um, they 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 apply all this structure to the dog's life. Mm-hmm. But they never move past that point. It's yeah. just structure, and the dog never gets the luxury of the freedom of just being a dog. And that's it's kind of just as bad as the dog that's just kind of managed away from everything forever. Yeah, right. Uh, they never get to be be an individual. Yeah, right. Which is something you really, really want to be able to hit w- uh, at that point with your dogs. I no, think it's, sure. it's so important. And I think that's a, a great thing to think about when you're communicating with your owners. You know, yeah. like, hey, like, this is what we need to do right now. But in the future, it can be a little more lax, you know? Yeah. And and I think that's, you know, your your client communication is, is what's going to sell that to them. So they don't think that, oh, we have to be robot dog, you know? 100%. 100%. Yep. All right. So that's another one. Burning through them today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move to let's move to another topic here, right? This one kind of piggybacks off of our conversation we had yesterday, uh, or not yesterday, the other day on the dog fights, right? Okay. So um, we've been talking about uh, Zay, the dog that we've been working with, right? Who was the dog that we did our whole episode on, the like get it under control episode, right? Yep. I mentioned in the, the episode a couple of days ago, Zay's crushing it. Right? Yep. He's doing so well. Let's go Zay. Right? Let's go Zay, right? Um, so, so one of their big goals, I just saw them the other day and one of their big goals is they have four dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Zay gets along, he doesn't have any problems with the other dogs, right? Okay. But one of their four dogs, um, Chesney, I believe is his name, uh, Chesney doesn't like Zay. Chesney gets along okay. really well with the other dogs. He doesn't like Zay, right? Could okay. be for whatever reason, right? Um, they also said Chesney's a little funny with new people sometimes. Like he's got some independent issues that we're going to probably be uh, bringing him in for Working some training <laughs> next, obviously, right? Yeah. Uh, but they've never been able to successfully introduce Zay and Chesney before. It just it just never went well. They said Zay just kind of is curious in him, goes up, and Chesney goes off on Zay, and it's just it's just always been a mess, right? Yep. So that was our big mm. goal. Is I was like, well, let's see where we're at. Let's see if we could start to get these dogs introduced together with each other, yep. right? So I was like, I got to meet Chesney first. I got to see what the deal is with him. Why don't you guys bring him out, put a muzzle on him, right? Because they said he's funny with new people. Let him out into the yard, mm-hmm. and we'll just kind of see what he does. And anytime in those situations, I just kind of I hang out there. I don't pay any mind to the dogs. I just want to see how they respond to me, right? Yep. So Chesney comes out like a fucking bullet, runs over to me, like leaps full speed on me, jumps oh, on me, boy. running around all over the place, barking, mm. goes like leaping all over the owners, long nails, scratching at Ugh. them, just kind of going crazy, yeah. right? And, and right off the rip, right, we get into, we talked about this yesterday in our training meeting because we were talking about the fighting dog situation. When you have fighting dogs, you kind of have two different categories of fighting dogs, right? Mm. You have your fighting dogs that are um, what we'll call like environmental fighting dogs or, or where it's like an environmental problem, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you have ones where 
there's a dog problem, yeah. right? Environmental problems generally mean the dogs would be fine with each other, but things that are going on in the dog's environment are causing fights or outbursts to happen. So that could be a lot of the examples we talked about in the other episode where like the dogs are fine with each other 90% of the time, but then when this one starts acting up in this place or this one starts rehearsing this unstable behavior here, um, the other one wants to kind of check that dog and yeah. stuff like that. Those are environmental problems where the issue isn't let's teach these dogs to like each other more. The issue is we have to solve the independent behavioral issues that are happening in the environment Mm -hmm. that are causing the dogs to get into fights with each other, Yeah, right? The other side is the dogs just don't like each other, which we'll see sometimes where it's like, there's nothing happening in the environment and just on site, I don't like you, you don't like me, <laughs> right? Those ones are usually yeah. a little bit more tricky to work through because mm -hmm. um, you have to kind of teach those dogs to like squash their beef more, mm. more or less, uh, which we've done a whole episode on that also. If you search fighting dogs, we did an episode months and months ago uh, yeah. on that topic you guys can listen to. <clears throat> um, so, so in this case, maybe it was a little bit of they had a problem with each other because Chesney was relatively good with the other dogs, mm -hmm. right? But the majority of the problem was Chesney's behavior was so erratic, yeah. right? That he was impulsive because he was insecure. His behavior was erratic. He wanted to like take it out on Zay, yeah. right? And then also in addition to that, prior to Zay doing training, his behavior was so out of control that that rubbed Chesney the wrong way also. So this mm -hmm. is much more of an environmental problem, right? Yeah. So, next thing we did is we put an e-collar on Chesney, right? We let Zay out, and um, we just kind of assessed the situation, right? Mm -hmm. And they walked up to each other, little stiff, little sniffing. Chesney did a little growling and stuff, but there was, like, no big problem. They just kind of needed to work through that a little bit. And then periodically, Chesney would go, and he would, like, leap at his owners, yeah. jump on me, or go and start fucking with his muzzle like really intensely or mm -hmm. let out a bark or something like that. And we just started stopping all that stuff. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Right? Got those things under control. Right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Ten minutes later, they're just chilling together. Right? Mm -hmm. Chesney's over here laying down. Zay's over here laying down. Let me pull out the receipts. I got the receipts. <laughs> <clears throat> Make Wait. sure you send me these receipts. Yeah. Here we go. Look at this. Right? It's just a picture. It's not a video. But we got their two dogs right there. We got Zay chilling right there. We got Chesney just walking around over here. Right? Totally okay. neutral. We hung out the entire session just like that. Right? And these dogs were fucking fine with each other. Yeah. They didn't really want a whole lot to do with each other, probably because they've lived separate for so long at this point. Right? Mm -hmm. But they were fine. There was no problem or anything like that. And, and I say this because... These are generally, when we get into the reasons why, like if we could assess why the dogs are behaving so poorly in the first place, we could get that under control and we can understand that the fights are happening because of that, you could stop those things so fast and get past this problem, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, past that, right, I told him, I was like, do this every day for a half an hour a day for the next like three weeks, right? I was like, you do this every day for a half an hour a day for the next three weeks, you're going to find in no time these dogs are going to be perfectly, perfectly fine with each other, mm -hmm. right? We got another case study of a dog we did uh, some virtual training with. I, I don't know exactly where they live, some, some other state. They don't live around here. And uh, she had some dogs that got into a fight with each other. Same deal, environmental problem, had a lot of outside behavioral issues and stuff like that we worked on. And just yesterday at 10.07 a.m., she said, jokingly, 100 years later, but this is them right now. Sent me all these videos, 
Look at these two dogs just oh, chilling. Wow. Yeah. Right? Chilling in their crates, hanging out outside in the yard, sniffing each other. Like, totally, you know what I mean? Like, totally mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Right? And noticing every one uh-huh. of these videos. She's got e-collars on both of them. Uh-huh. She's following the directions. Look at this. This is huge. Hey. I talk a lot about this, right? This is massive. A lot of people would look at this and they would say, oh my God, two dogs that got in fights with each other, why would you feed them so close to each other? Mm. Because you can't avoid problems forever. If we have a resource issue, I need to know I have control over these dogs around the resources. Yeah. This dog needs to know if you go and fuck with this dog while he's eating, it ain't going to be fun for you mm-hmm. and vice versa, right? Yeah. And if you could get control over all this kind of stuff, with pigs <laughs> but she sent me all these all these uh all these videos right mm-hmm. so cool yeah right it's because she put in the work she mm-hmm. got her dog's behavior the fuck under control she yeah. showed them hey guys you've got to listen to me mm-hmm. right no more funny business we're getting this shit under control and if you do that you'll get past this stuff i promise you you will it's just getting past the emotional hurdles if you just got to do it you gotta yeah. be okay like those dogs probably don't love each other right now that's fine yeah they're safe around each other they respect their owner, right? They respect the owner, which will cause them to respect each other. Yeah. Right? For sure. In any of these cases, right? Whether it's Zay and his, uh, his little siblings, right? Whether it's these dogs, whether it's any of the other dogs we work with, you just got to get it under control. Yeah. Um, not that this doesn't pertain to them at all, but uh, I was just wondering, do you, do you ever see like where people maybe try too hard or force you know the reintroduction mm-hmm. you know like too too much yes. where it's obviously like yeah no I'll g- let me give you an exact example of stuff that we'll see sometimes okay so um you know we do a decent amount of virtual training right mm-hmm. and uh you know we talk a lot about the successes let me tell you one that i wouldn't consider it a failure um but what I would consider it is these people just, they, they weren't ready to, to get past the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So I did a virtual consult with somebody. The exact same issues as all these. This person did a virtual consult. That's mm-hmm. how we worked past it. I didn't yep. need to see them in person, mm-hmm. right? And I instructed them the same thing I instruct anybody, right? Work it safely. Make sure you have a way to crack the dogs. Get the nonsense under control, right? And uh, like the first time they went to go introduce them back to each other, there was some sort of nonsense, not even really towards each other. They corrected it real firmly, just like I told them to, which we expected it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, the dogs literally went, like they were in a big room, polar opposite sides of the room, right? Mm-hmm. They stayed completely away from each other, right? Which to me, that's success, right? That's the first step of the problem. Yeah. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't no, say anything yeah. at all, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of the same shit, yeah. right? Um, and that's probably what all these, all these people saw, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they couldn't get past, well, the dogs are scared of each other now. I mean, listen, like, I, yeah. I, I understand, yeah. but like we talked about it, like, they were scared of each other to begin with. That's why they're yeah. fighting, uh-huh. right? And if anything, they're trying really hard to do the right thing right now, which is not engage with each other. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get past, they felt that the dogs needed to go from fighting with each other to they needed to go to, um, like, being lovey-dovey and friends with each other yeah best friends right which is just not the way the process works Mm -hmm. and those are the i don't know if they exactly did this because shortly after that they're like you know we're just going to find a local trainer to work with i was like all right that's fine you know do do what you got to do right Mm -hmm. um but um 
those are the kinds of situations where people will then make the mistake of they'll correct the behavior. The dogs will do exactly what we want them to do, which is just stay away from each other right now until that you guys kind of start to get past this problem. Yeah. And then what they'll do is they'll try to force the dogs together. Oh, come here. Mm -hmm. Come on, guys. Mm -hmm. Right? And then the dog's doing the right thing of like, you know, this is too much for me. I'm going to go do something else. Mm -hmm. Right? Which is what we want them to do. We force them into this situation that was they were uncomfortable with to begin with. And then we cause the fight by doing that. Yep. Right? Yeah. That's what I figure a lot of people probably do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was that was uh, a, a situation where, you know, it was a case like that. We see that a lot, right? Is, mm -hmm. is you know, we'll introduce dogs to other dogs for the first time, yep. right? And they just want to do their own thing, right? Mm -hmm. And not interact and stuff like that. And we feel like they have to interact. Yeah. So force them over. Come on, come on, come on, right? And we just put the dogs in a vulnerable position by begging them to be over there, even though they didn't want to be over there. And uh, it, it, it turns into a problem. Yep. You pulled up... Uh, a video clip. Hold on. You pulled up a video clip just a couple minutes ago that we posted on our Instagram that's like talking about this exact same thing. It was meant to be. Yeah, see? yeah here we go, here we go. This one. It's funny, a lot of people like in this stage in the training where he's clearly being behaved right now. But yeah, he's kind of being a weirdo loner in the corner. A lot of people will look at this and be like, why aren't you over here interacting? And then what happens is they'll try to beg the dog to like come into the space when maybe he's sitting over there because he isn't totally ready to put himself in that position yet. And then they'll force it and then they'll put the dog in that uncomfortable position where they feel like they need to react. So I always say like in this context, if you're ever hanging out and he puts himself in his bedroom or something like that, just let him do it. Don't force him to come out. He'll come out when he's ready. Our one dog is kind of like that. She's like a little bit of a weirdo and she gets overwhelmed by something. She'll go put herself in the bedroom. Boom. Right? Like the exact same thing. And yeah. everybody makes that mistake, you know, whether it's with dogs or with people, right? Yeah. People come over and they're like, oh, your dog's nervous of me. Let me beg them <laughs> over. They'll come over if they want to come over. Yep. Just leave them be. Yep. So. Cool. So that's it. You know, we got a couple more here, but we'll save those for next time. There we go. I think this was a good. Yeah. This wound up being a nice episode. Yeah. yeah. When, when we're when we're off the cuff, we just seem to bring it yeah. together. You know. Yeah. You pull it out of the air. So that's what we got for you guys. A couple interesting topics. Keep all that in mind. Mm -hmm. You got anything else you want to add? No. It's a great time. All right. Well. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye.